Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Today on the Ether, into the Yumiverse with Shade Protocol. Let's take a listen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, we're going to give it a couple more minutes for people to trickle, trickle in, and then we'll go ahead and get started. We got Carter here as well. For those of you unfamiliar, Carter is the lead researcher for Shade Protocol. Yeah, thanks for having me. Gonna be a fun one. Welcome. Is the Shade account gonna join as well? I believe so. It will be in a second here. Yeah, but Carter and I will be speaking from our from our personal. School. Cool. We just got done hosting Agoric on into the interchain, so we just off that popped off that Twitter space. So the main account, there it is. Main account just jumped in. Nice. I'm gonna invite them to co-host just to get the maximum people we can get. And uh, yeah, I think everything's good i hope you guys didn't mind my music too much i'm gonna <laughs> turn it off now. the waiting room music is <laughs> awesome this is the first for me <laughs> Thank you. very classy daniel Absolutely. was i see you've joined finally a little bit late yeah you know i'm really just here for the music you know <laughs> that, that's my whole thing all right you can leave then no fine <laughs> the music in the community really <laughs> We're, we're pivoting. Uh, Umi is a music app now, and that's what we're doing. Now, we'll, Congrats, uh, guys. <laughs> let's go ahead and get started, guys. Well, everyone, welcome to another uh, episode of Into the Umiverse. Uh, we've got a really special guest today um, with Shade Protocol. We're really excited to have Carter and Fisco on. Uh, we'll get into their, uh, that little uh, Q&A in a, just a second. We've got some uh, updates to share on Umi, just in general. So we've been making a lot of progress on the historical module. Remember that um, module basically to add um, just safety precautions to our oracles so that we can host uh, low liquidity assets like those that are only listed on Osmosis. Uh, Waz, you want to give us an update on that? Yeah, for sure. So um, recently we've kind of changed it up a little bit in order to service our IBC rate limiting, which is another protecting feature that we're adding in for um, you know our leverage protocol just to make sure. You know, there, there's a maximum amount you can steal if you can't even steal. So that's super exciting. Um, you know, I, I was just talking with our engineers. We're going to have a PR up, PR up within the next hour or so. So hopefully code finished uh, end of this week. We also went through um, a, you know, a proposal for 320 recently where a validator found out that a, you know, a, a, an RPC endpoint wasn't working properly. So we kind of, you know, galvanized the validator set and made sure to vote no on that. And we're going to release a new binary very soon. And we can go through that upgrade as well. That upgrade's just focused on um, re-enabling gravity bridge slashing to kind of make our gravity bridge more secure. But, you know, once we have that prop up, I'm sure you'll see a bunch of tweets about it. But yeah, that's uh, that's most of the stuff that we've been working with on the engineering side short term. It's uh, super exciting, Brandon. 
it's going to be a lot of fun. No, for sure. And, and safety has been sort of the theme of these last, I, I would say, since Cosmoverse. Um, the mango explo- exploit or market manipulation has been sort of top of mind because when you think about Cosmos, pretty much everything we're doing is, is, is a new asset. And new assets are always vulnerable because of their low liquidity or, or low volume. And so we have to be able to account for these things in order to support the, you know, the shades of the world, um, IST, all of your favorite stable coins that are coming out. The, none of them are as big as USDC. That's just the fact of the matter. So that doesn't mean we can't support them. We just have to have the right safety precautions in place. And then also just to touch on the IBC rate limiting, um, definitely this was heavily inspired by what Osmosis is doing. I think they do a little bit with Cosmosm. Uh, we don't have Cosmosm yet, so we're just doing it on the chain level and with some middleware. But yeah, that what that does for everyone listening is when you think about like the biggest hacks on Ethereum, you can think of numbers like hundreds of millions. And I think some have even gone like to, bill- to a billion. But the the goal here is so that we can say, look, if there's ever an exploit, because no protocol is 100% safe, um, no matter how hard you try, there should be a maximum number that anyone can steal and then IBC away or bridge away. And so that's what this allows us to do. So instead of us ever having like a, a, an exploit where 100% of TVL is taken, um, it's always going to be a smaller percentage of that so that funds are safe. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the two um, major updates we've got coming out in the coming weeks. Once historical is out, you'll see a bunch of proposals going out to add your favorite IBC assets. Um, that includes things like Osmo, Stride assets, like collateral options. Um, really cool stable coins and that's just going to be the biggest update for umi um, before the end of the year so we're really looking forward to it but with that being said let's go ahead and turn it over to our guests uh, shade protocol is a really awesome project built on secret network um, really focused on privacy but also usability which is always a really cool combo because that's been the biggest trade-off with privacy is, is usability and Carter and the folks at Shade are working on some really great solutions for that. So with that, uh, Carter and Fisco, do you guys want to give a quick introduction to yourselves and also Shade Protocol? Hey, guys. How's it going? Super excited to be here having this conversation. Thanks for hosting us. Uh, Yeah, so for myself, I'm the head of strategic partnerships at Shade Protocol. So all all of the working with other teams, other chains, DEX listings, all those conversations are, are coming through me. So. For anyone listening, if you got if you got stables in the cosmos, if you got tokens in the cosmos and are interested in listings, having a lot of those conversations right now. So that's I'm your guy. But thanks again for having us. I'll pass it over to Carter for an intro. Yeah, so Carter Watzel here. I'm the lead researcher at Shade Protocol. Uh, this this vision has really been over over two years in the making at this point. Uh, my my specific journey started back in 2017. Huge fan of of the MakerDAO community. And the concept of decentralized stable coins. Um, but as, as someone, you know, first dives into blockchain, you discover the Ethereum's of the world, it immediately becomes apparent that DeFi is completely transparent. Um, I could be a massive institution or individual, and I could, I could lock up collateral on a lending product, and my liquidation price point could be public, public to everyone. And people can start hunting those liquidation price points. Or if I'm a stable coin, I'm a company. And I want to play. I want to pay my employees, uh, but there's like, where's the privacy for those transactions? Or if I'm working with 
with contractors? Where's the privacy for those for those agreements on chain? And so as a whole, the kind of founding philosophy of shared protocols, we believe that there should be transparency for public goods and privacy for, for individuals, and that you need to have kind of a, a compliance solution for the full granularity tied to confidentiality. And so about a year and a half ago, when we wanted to tackle privacy-preserving DeFi, we said, you know, like, which, which tech stack actually has live functioning private smart contracts? That's where we found uh, Secret Network and started to build out all of the key primitives in, in decentralized finance. We're talking, we actually started with Secret Network's first uh, and largest staking derivative. We launched a bonds product, first ever in the cosmos for anyone familiar with like a, an Olympus Taoist product. And the really big products now that we've, we've been building up for for the last year and a half is a privacy-preserving lending product, a privacy-preserving stablecoin that's super unique and differentiated. It's called Silk, which I'm sure we'll really dive into today. And then we're also launching ShadeSwap, um, which is a constant product AMM, but also has concentrated liquidity and a very, very unique stable swap coming with it. So all three of those products are going live Q, Q4, Q1. Um, and we're, we're super pumped to not only launch these products, but to really go into the interchain with Shade as this powerful uh, governance, governance token and Silk as this really uniquely differentiated stablecoin that is is one of a kind on the market. So that's kind of a background at a high level, the products, the story, and the reasoning. No, that's that's really interesting. And I guess, like you mentioned, Silk is probably one of the biggest topics we want to get into. Um, given, you know, it's it's one of the most intriguing stable coins coming to Cosmos, just with the privacy aspect, but also some of the mechanics behind it. And um, I threw up a poll yesterday or maybe the day before and I only included like the the launch stable coins like CMST, USK, and IST on like which one should we focus on. And it was interesting because a lot of the comments were like, we need to focus on Silk. Like Silk is where it's at. So um, would love to dive into some of the mechanics around it. So like how does Silk actually work um, and how can people look forward to using it? Absolutely. So let's start with the, the vision of Silk and the attributes that differentiate it. And then we can kind of zoom in on the mechanics in terms of the, the stability, integrity, and security of Silk as a stablecoin. So the, the vision for Silk is simple. We have this opportunity in Web3 to build truly differentiated and unique currencies. And you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin emerged as this decentralized asset, but it, it had volatility. And it's it's really hard to have a volatile asset in commerce, right? And so this is where the tethers of the world came in, the USDTs that said, hey, we can solve the liquidity problem. And the decentralized finance community like, was actually using a lot of tether and eventually USDC because it has a very strong integrity guarantees, although there's, there's massive risks to centralization as, as we've seen with, with like the FTXs that happened recently. And so the DeFi community said, can we build a decentralized stablecoin that has stability, but can't, can't be censored. That is, that is permissionless, right? And that's where MakerDAO emerged. That's where DAI emerged as a, as a, as a stablecoin. But you know, when, we, when we sat down two years ago to begin building Silk, 
there is this really big cognitive dissonance. How can we say we're building the future of currency if decentralized currencies are pegged to centralized monetary systems? Are dollar stable coins, even if they're decentralized, are they truly living up to the, the ethos and potential of what we can build in Web3? And so Silk, the first attribute that you should know about, is it's not pegged to the dollar. It's pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities. It has Bitcoin and gold included as, as uh, approximately 25% of its composition, which offsets people losing purchasing power over time. It offsets the effects of inflation from global currencies. And then you have the likes of the British pound, Canadian dollar, the US dollar, the euro, the yen, also included in this, this tracked target peg. And the net result is that we believe one day Silk will be an interoperability hub between global currencies. Mom and dad don't need to participate in Forex markets to hedge against inflation. They can just hold Silk. That's, that's our end vision for Silk. It's this, this, this commerce hub that people can hold where you are protected from the global volatility of any given currency. The second attribute is privacy. We believe that privacy is intimately uh, integrated with this concept of, of sovereignty. And if we want businesses and commerce to thrive, you have to have privacy. Like if you're, if you're doing your commerce on chain, competitors would know exactly when customers of your competitor bought a product and how much the product was worth. And even at like what time that product was sold. Fundamentally, you need a degree of privacy for commerce to function. And so you need a stable coin that not only has stability in terms of purchasing power, but has that privacy. And the third, kind of the third attribute of Silk, besides the fact that it has this decentralized peg and, and the privacy, is that it's built on top of all these other key financial primitives. I, I call them the, the verbs, the verbs of crypto. You want to be able to send. You want to be able to trade. You want to be able to stake. We want to build out every key verb for users to seamlessly be onboarded in, into, into Silk to truly have that end game adoption. And Silk, of course, is decentralized. It's not, there isn't like a, a PSM module that's just USDC and then you mint out dollars and you say you have a decentralized stablecoin. There's a dissonance there. That's not good enough. We can do better. Um, and so we're using decentralized L1 collateral, such as Secret, such as Atom, maybe such as the Umis of the world. Um, and we believe that we're building a truly futuristic currency. No, it, sound, it sounds really amazing. And it, and it almost reminds me, like, you're right. Private transactions are, are kind of essential, especially to getting, like, the normies of the world to come on. And it reminds me of, like, one time I was showing my mom how like you can track transactions um, on the blockchain and, and she was basically like, are you stupid? Like, why would you want your private, why would you want your transactions to be like out in the public? And so like to a person that's not in crypto, it's really a foreign concept of like, why would you want all your transactions to be public? So Secret definitely provides a lot of that opportunity. And it sounds like Shade is going to have like even more functionality on top of that. I'm curious, so 
what is what is the actual like minting process look like? You mentioned like there's going to be um, things like Atom, things like Secret. Um, is that in the form of like a like a hard peg? Is there going to be some sort of uh, liquidation process? What can people expect with that? Absolutely, that's an excellent question. So we've talked about the attributes of Silk and why it's special. Now we can talk about the mechanics that make Silk what it is. So we'll 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 start with the target peg. Essentially, with something like Dai, it's it's tracking it's tracking one dollar. So if you put in $150 worth of collateral and there's a 150% collateralization ratio, you can mint out 100 die because each, each die is targeting a $1 peg on the smart contract. Like that's, that's what the, in terms of what die is worth, the smart contract is always going to treat it like it's worth $1. Even if on the market, die is trading at $1.02 or $0.98, cents, the smart contracts, they don't know about that. They don't care about that. All the economic levers treat treat it at, at $1, right? And then there's arbitrage whenever something's over or under peg um, in arbitrage in relation to the smart contracts to the market that maintains the market's peg to the smart contract target, right? That's, that's how that works. So Silk, the minting contracts, instead of targeting a, a static number, instead, it's tracking a slowly, slowly moving number. And that, that, target, that target price is is an aggregate from from the oracle so what we do is we grab um you have weights assigned to each of the components of the basket and then there's there's an amount uh tied to that weight multiplied by a price and so you essentially you summate across every single one of the currencies and commodities with their dollar amounts and with the weights and it spits out a target price that the smart contracts are treating as law right and so no different than targeting that $1 peg. Instead, these smart contracts are targeting this slowly moving price. And the arbitrage all slowly shift with this kind of glacial, glacial change in what Silk is targeting. So Silk might start out at $1.05 if we're going to be using dollar as our reference currency. And then a year later, Silk might have appreciated in value to $1.07, right? Now... For a euro, if you're holding euros or a different currency, it might, it might, it's, it might be a different paradigm. But for, for the sake of simplicity, we'll use dollars as our, as our reference currency. So long and short, you aggregate across, you have your target peg. That's what's considered law in the smart contract. Now, the same thing is happening on the, um, I guess we can talk about the, the liquidation side of things. So no different than MakerDAO, you have different vaults. So you could have an atom vault where you can mint out silk against that moving target peg with a certain collateralization ratio. And if your vault ever drops below an acceptable collateralization, what happens is there's this something we call the stability pool. And essentially what the stability pool is, is people are depositing their silk into the stability pool. And anytime there's a vault that you know drops below its acceptable collateralization, what anyone in the community can do is essentially trigger uh, the liquidation. And what happens is Silk gets sent to the smart contract and the Silk gets burned. So this is the mechanism that sucks Silk out of the market to make sure that Silk holds its collateralization ratio. That means that we're able to comfortably hold. And in return for that Silk being pulled out of the stability pool and getting burned, what then happens is uh, the assets from the vulnerable vault get liquidated and get sent 
to the folks that deposited silk into the stability pool. So the stability pool is earning liquidated assets at a discount and in return for providing that service to everyone, providing that um, supply, supply sink to make sure silk is getting pulled out of the market, um, they're earning the liquidated assets at a discount. And it's also done in an equitable way. It's not a first come, first serve, where you have your super fast arbors winning all of the liquidations. We've actually designed it so that these liquidations are in a democratic, equitable way being distributed to this stability, stability pool that anyone can participate in. So that's kind of a rundown of the, of the liquidations and how Silk tracks its peg. Happy to dive in deeper on, on any questions tied to the mechanics. No, that, that was an awesome explanation. And I'm curious, how does the shade token itself fit into all of this? Like, what are the applications and the use cases? Absolutely. So it's, it's really interesting because the story of shade protocol has evolved. Um, six months ago, we were looking at Terra's model. We saw risks with it, and we kind of wanted to make tweaks with it. And when Terra collapsed, we had to essentially go back to the, the, the drawing board and say, we, we were assuming the assumptions of, of, of their model, and the model broke. So we need to revert, uh, revert to the safest known model on the market. And our community has been, has been super um, supportive during, during that process. And it's uh, actually, can, can you repeat the question? I actually just lost track. I just I went right into story storytelling mode. No, no, no worries. It's just how does the shade token itself fit gotcha. into the protocol? That's, that's what it is. So, because originally shade was going to have a role in uh, have, have like a direct relationship with silk, right? In some sort of dynamic way. But because we've reverted back to this model, shade and silk are really uncorrelated from each other at this point. There is no, hey, you can mint out silk with some sort of seniorage mechanism that doesn't exist anywhere in the protocol at this point. So shade at this point is this uh, governance token, uh, not just a governance token though, it's also sitting at the middle of all the re rewards and fees throughout all the dApps on the protocol. So as a, as a shade staker, it's gonna be a real yield model where initially you have, of course, your emissions model to attract, attract users, but over time, uh, fees from shade swap, fees from the stable swap, fees from the staking derivative, fees from bonds, um, fees from interest, fees tied to silk, fees from liquidations from silk. These six or seven different fee streams will get distributed back to um, shade stakers. So we're really aiming to have a real yield model. Um, but yeah, currently no direct relationship between between the two tokens beyond governance and fee fee sharing. Okay. No, I think I think that's actually a good thing because like there's been a lot of advisory around like having endogenous um, like abilities to or and using endogenous assets to be able to mint a stable coin. So I think you guys kind of get out of that by doing that. And I just think like, you know, when I was thinking about Shade Protocol six months ago, um, like you mentioned, it was it was kind of like a private version of UST. Right. But it's completely revamped that process. So I'm really glad that you guys have done that. I mean just by not pegging it to a dollar is already really interesting. And so, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, if you can share, I mean, you've kind of gone into the minting mechanisms, what it's used case for, uh, what it's used for. I would love to know, like, what's the long-term vision of Silk? Because, you know, you have things like USDC, which are seeing adoption on like, like, for example, on Coinbase, I can have a debit card that I pay for things with USDC. 
what's that what's that look like for silk like is it gonna are you gonna build all that out on secret so that it maintains privacy like what does that look like for sure so it's really interesting because we're we're really focused on the, the commerce side of silk integrations and what that means is until i can use silk in a coffee shop whether it's through a debit card or through some sort of you know merchant has a server that accepts silk we we really don't view the mission as as complete right like we're we're going for global adoption here and so in 2023 um i really consider 2023 what i call the year of mobile for shade protocol um and i i i don't want to to leak what that entails except i'll say we're extremely conscientious about building the fiat on ramps and infrastructure to get silk integrated into commerce um we're really pivoting from hey we've built all the key DeFi primitives, we've built these very powerful products. Now, what does it mean to onboard users into this suite of product in the most frictionless way, regardless of your understanding of, for instance, like gas tokens, right? Like even the concept of gas is, is like way too big of a friction point for 99.9% .9 of the world. So we're going to be tackling that in 2023. Um, the good news is that in a domain that has no patience, patience is a superpower. I think. And so for Silk, we have like decade-long decade long vision for, for where we want to go. And we have a very patient approach to improving the UI, UX, and kind of going after the more uh, Web2 commerce side of things. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, very, very excited for, for what that's going to entail. No, that, that's really cool. I mean, having a long-term vision is, is really important. And the fact that you guys are focusing on mobile really shows that you guys are... I guess one of the one of the biggest friction points to secret in general, at least initially for a lot of users, is the sort of the wrapper function to actually get to like a sip, like a, a real SNP twenty um, asset. How how does that? How will like Silk interact with other protocols that aren't private? Like, will it have to go through that wrapper to get out uh, to like an Osmosis, for example? Like, how, how does that process? Sure, that's a that's a wonderful question. It's one of the questions that we're kind of obsessed with solving in the next six months. So with the launch of ShadeSwap, the stable swap silk and lend Q4, Q1, one of the things that's launching side by side with it is a brand new bridge UI UX. So currently there's like this three, four, five step process that's quite confusing to get another L1 token onboarded on the secret network. And we're, we're turning this into essentially a two click process on the way in and a one-click process on the way out. And we're actually pushing really hard to get wallets to support you know, multi-execute transactions to try to minimize like any amount of clicks involved here so we can, we can embed multiple transactions in, in a single interaction. So totally agree. To date, the bridging experience on Secret Network has been dismal, to be honest, and kind of the bridge UI UX we're launching. Um, it's actually going to be so good that um, we want people to use it as their bridge solution for IBC period. So you won't have to be a secret network user to use the bridge. You'll be able to transfer assets from, you know, the Junos of the world to osmosis or from Umi to Adam, right? Like it's, it's a totally generalized IBC UI UX um, that happens to be focused on solving that uh, UI UX friction point when you're being onboarded into the shape protocol, DeFi suite and secret network in general. No, that's really cool. Does that include like multi-hop? Like if I want to send, I don't know, like Osmo 
from Umi to Juno, it goes back to Osmo, then to Juno. Like, does that functionality include? So if you're talking about CW20 support, where app-specific tokens can be moved around, uh, initially it's supporting the, the, the CW20 support, I believe, for Seeker Network. It might be generalized for everything, but I'd have to double-check on that. Well, I'm um, actually talking about just, like, IBC tokens, like, in the bank module. Don't have the specific answer. I'd have to, I'll, I can check with the bridge team uh, if multi-hops are, are supported. I, I don't think so. I think the current state is just is A to B. Um, so not, not super aware of the multi. Actually, I'd love to learn more about that. What's, uh, has that been implemented anywhere so far? I'd love to look into the standard. Not as far as I know, but it's something that I think is really needed in the ecosystem. I'm, I'm sure the SDK team is, is probably looking at it as well for the IBC team, but really there's an issue in that if you want full-on composability between two chains, you have to have a multi-hop IBC router in, in, in a lot of cases because right. the issue is IBC is path-denominated, so it's like if Osmo is on UMI, it's not the same as Osmo on right. Juno. And so you really have to send an asset back to its native chain before you can send it to the next chain where you want to do DeFi. So like, say for example, on UMI, I want to borrow a bunch of Atom so that I can I can put it in a Juno swap pool. Well, in order to do that, I borrow the Atom on UMI, I send it back to the Cosmos hub, and then I send it to Juno. And so that multi-hop interaction is a little bit of a, kind of a bad UX in my personal opinion. And so however we kind of solve that um, is, is probably a, a path to better UX. And Axelar actually has a really cool function for their, for swapping for, for sending IBC transactions from chain to chain that they support via generating a deposit address on Axelar. So like if you want to send USDC from UMI to Osmo, you actually do it through the Axelar bridge, their SDK, and it generates a deposit address on Axelar that it IBC transfers to, and then that automatically transfers it to your Osmo address. So really, really cool functionality there. I'm excited to see if it can be brought to IBC in general. Definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll look into multi-execute. We do have integrations with XLR and Root actively. So uh, I don't know if it's the multi-execute component. I think it's just the ERC-20 transfer over to IBC that we're going to be supporting. But you've, you've got me all fired up. Now I want to look, look into multi-execute. So thanks for, thanks for putting that on my radar. Yeah, man, if you can build that out, that would be that would be absolutely sick. But I, I know we're we're already half an hour in. This this is a cool conversation. I'm really interested. Um I want to know more about the stable swap, man. That that sounds interesting. Uh what what can we expect from that? Sure. So it's it's really fascinating that it, you know it's late 2022 and we really haven't seen a center point for stablecoin liquidity emerge anywhere in the cosmos, especially considering that. The composability of IBC absolutely allows for, for something like that to emerge. Um, so this is something that we spotted in early 2022. Um, and one of the problems we encountered because I started, you know, we started talking with other decentralized exchanges and there was, there was two things. First off, it didn't seem like stable swaps were being prioritized from DEXs, which I'm not, not entirely sure why, except maybe the difficulty of it. And then the second piece is, a lot of these DEXs kind of said, hey, I'm not sure we'll be able to support Silk because it's a dynamic stable coin. And it's not, you know, targeting $1, which kind of felt like a cheap, kind of a cheap answer because there's, there's, there's definite engineering solutions to dynamic 
assets within a concentrated liquidity context because you know Uniswap, Uniswap v3, Uniswap v2 have solutions for this. So we kind of were like, well, if there isn't a stable swap in the cosmos and existing DEXs don't seem interested in putting in the engineering legwork to be able to handle you know, dynamic assets that are, you know, have oracles involved, then I guess we'll go, we'll go build it, I guess. So that was, we started kicking off um, research into stable swap. We had a couple of mathematicians uh, start off by looking at curve and we wanted to improve on curve. Like one of the philosophies of shape protocol is that it's not good enough just to add on privacy to a DeFi product, even though that's a massive differentiator, you should also improve on the fundamentals of whatever product you're building in the first place, right? And so with, with Curve, we looked at um, two pieces. The first piece was the design of, design of the curves. And the second piece was how they were computing uh, outputs on their stable swap. And so one of the things in the released white paper for the stable swap is we've proven that the, the mathematical method that we're using um, for our stable swap is more computi- computationally efficient than what Curve is doing. Like we, we, the mathematicians quite literally, if Curve, Curve used it, uh, if they adopt, adopt the mathematics that we kind of put forward, they would be saving gas fees for their users, which is super cool. That's just a, for, like a resource for the world that like anyone can now use, use kind of the methodology described in the white paper on that front. And then separate from improving like the gas gas efficiency of, of the stable swap, there was, there was something kind of long ago that we noticed about Curve. So if you look at Curve, there's, there's two pieces. You have a flat section of the Curve, which is essentially where all the liquidity is concentrated, and that's where the trade experience is really good. And then you have the two tails on the Curve where slippage starts to increase. And slippage is really interesting um, because essentially the curve is discouraging people from trading a certain direction. And this is like a protection because you want, you want the trading experience. You want the, the, the liquidity to essentially return to an equilibrium on the curve. And the way curve handles these, these two outside curves is that they're both symmetric. They're both completely symmetric. And the, we kind of challenged ourselves and said, wait a second. What if you had asymmetric control over the tails such that you could essentially on one side of the curve have more aggressive slippage to like protect an asset and to more encourage arbitrage to return it to an equilibrium? Um, It's essentially a form of capital protection that liquidity providers could create uh, within a concentrated liquidity context. And we ended up, you know, the research went through all this, looked at the risks of it from the mathematical standpoint, and we were able to essentially pull off the world's first asymmetric tails tied to concentrated liquidity. Still, We're still kind of waiting for Ethereum folks to find the white paper and be like, wait a second, this is like a massive innovation because you can control not only the flatness of the curve, but also asymmetrically you can control the behavior of the tail ends. Um, and so the inevitable next question is like, okay, well, like, what's the use case of being able to have asymmetric control over the tails? And the answer for us is we don't, we don't fully know when these capital protections are going to be integrated. We, we have a sense that maybe for stable coins or for staking derivatives, 
that there be some really interesting behavior that can be created and protections that can be put in place on those types of concentrated pools. Um, also, liquidity providers that want to make their own market, um, they might just appreciate that flexibility when they're designing their own pools. So we're, we, we don't fully understand the, the implications, but the flexibility is there. And we're super excited to see where, where that leads us. And th those are the two pieces that have been innovated. Oh, and, and privacy, of course, world's first privacy preserving stable swap. Why not? <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I mean, I, I share a lot of the same uh, sort of thought process as you. Like, it is kind of crazy to me that it's almost the end of 2022 and there's not a staple swap in Cosmos, right? Like, it's, it's not like these things don't exist. So I'm just curious why they haven't been integrated into, like, a lot of the different DEXs. But, yeah, it, it's something that I'm looking forward to personally. And, you know, I guess, well, we're at... 35 minutes in so I, I think we should probably switch to some community questions now so if anyone wants to hop on and ask a question feel free to do so um but other than that i guess we'll go with some questions from our discord so uh carter i didn't want to ask any like too hard questions but um because this isn't like a gotcha thing but we do have a lot of people asking about the recent um sort of issues talk being talked about on twitter uh with the i think there was some sort of exploit and so do you want to just give a little bit of clarity on, on what actually happened with Secret and how that affects you guys? Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's, not, it's not a gotcha question. It's a, it's, there's, there's two pieces with Secret Network. There's the integrity of consensus, and there's the confidentiality of metadata. And the first thing I want to make clear is that the integrity of consensus on Secret Network, even when confidentiality is compromised, is not impacted. So that, that's the first thing I want to make clear. Um, just because someone can break confidentiality does not mean they can actually modify, modify the ledger at, at will. So that's, that's step one. Um, step two, want to make it super clear that Seeger Network was live on 2020 with trusted execution environments. And since then, there's been a roadmap release where there's essentially going to be rotating keys, threshold level encryption, as well as, as, well as TEs. And, and one of the concerns in the community and one of my concerns for Seeger Network was, hey, we have this kind of beautiful first-to-market functional technology. Privacy-preserving smart contracts do not exist anywhere else currently. That's just the kind of the current state of things. And we understood that there is risks to being first-to-market on the engineering side. And for, for me, the, the recent white hack disclosures, there was six different um, like Ivy League-esque universities working together that have been working on breaking Seeker Network, SGX, since 2020. So this is kind of the culmination of two years of research from a bunch of higher ed institutions working on breaking the enclaves on Seeker Network. And they ended up pulling it off, which is, which is super, super, it's super scary, but it's also this massive opportunity for growth and for the technology to continue to be, to be hardened. So the disclosure was made to the protocol team. Uh, it, was, it was patched. And now the protocol level team really has to sit down and, and be very focused on going beyond trusted execution environments. Now, the advantage to trusted execution environments is the performance and scalability. So if you're going for full-blown cryptographic solutions, uh, it's very, 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 very difficult to do that with, with smart contracts. The flexibility is just not there. And then the performance side of things, it's hard to have a lot of throughput. 
And so Secret Network TEs, if, if we can strike a middle ground between performance, scalability, flexibility, and hardened security, then it really is as a tech stack going to be in a really good spot. But factually, there was an, an exploit with a group of white hackers. They've been working on it for two years. Disclosures were made. The patch was made. Is it concerning? Absolutely. Is this the end of Secret Network? Absolutely not. It actually means we have access to some incredible researchers. We have really good communication with multiple trusted execution environments, such as, such as Intel, in terms of as, as a partner. And I look forward to the security continuing to improve over time. One, one of the things is there's a lot of privacy folks coming out of the woodworks that are saying like, hey, like Secret Network, it was, we're broken, it's, it's, it's all over. And the way I view it is, well, where's the other private smart contracts? Where was, where was the other folks out there that are like attempting to put it out there and, and attempting to continue to improve the solution? Um, I, I, think, I think we'll look back on this year as, as a big turning point for Secret Network because I think it's going to expedite the speed of cryptographic integration into the hardware level solution. So that's my answer to the question. I'm still optimistic. Facts are facts. Things were broken. But I, I look forward to the hardening of the tech stack and continued adoption of it. No, that, that's, a great that's a great answer. And, and it's also just a good thing that this was found before Silk even launched, right? So like, it's not like the, your Silk transactions were exposed or anything right. like that. So good timing for you guys. Um, Let's see. So the next question is well, kind of a kind of a downer discord today, guys. I think some of the Kujira people are in here flooding you guys. But um, <laughs> we've got uh, let's see. So one of the one of the sort of concerns with privacy in general is government regulation. Um, I guess if you look at like what happened to the tornado devs, right, like it's really a shitty situation for them when you have like actual scammers that aren't in jail, but you have tornado devs in jail. So d is there ever a concern in general with Secret or with Shade at all about what government regulation means for you guys? And how, how do you guys kind of stay ahead of that in terms of like being able to be compliant, but also maintaining privacy? Absolutely. So there's, so it's, it's, it's completely relevant. If we want to build privacy preserving DeFi, there has to be a path to compliance. That's actually been part of our, our theory for day one. Uh, is that Seeger Network provides the viewing key architecture to have compliance frameworks built in. And so we're, we're part of two things. So the first piece is we're a part of something called the Universal Privacy Alliance. It's something that I actually helped, helped found at, at its very origins. And it's essentially all the different privacy projects in Web3 working together to essentially try to have our voice be heard within the regulatory environment. It's, it's at its earliest stages, but it's been very encouraging to see since Tornado Cash, the privacy community kind of as a wake-up call saying we need, we need to get connected to, to regulators in kind of a, a more aggressive fashion. We need, we need our voices to be heard because privacy fundamentally is, is, is important to, to commerce. And there's, very, there's many legitimate reasons for privacy, and we need to come up with a framework that, that can work. Um, the second piece is that, at least for, for Shade Protocol and the team, we've, we've invested pretty heavily in terms of the legal side of things. So we do have people actively advocating for us and people who are essentially actively researching emerging legislation and how that would, that would impact Silk and the privacy side of things. Um, I view, 20, so I said 2023 was the year of mobile. I view 2024 as kind of the year where we build an entire 
KYC AML uh, protocol on top of this privacy preserving DeFi. So for now, we're just trying to get the rails and primitives in place. 2023, we're working on the onboarding. And 2024 is really where we build out a whole legal framework that people have the sovereignty to interact with. So overall, I'm, I'm bullish on our ability to be compliant with viewing keys on secret network, but we need to do a better job of building like very defined protocols that make it easy for everyday folks to decrypt their transactions, hand them off to an auditor, um, and while maintaining their privacy on chain. Uh, that's a really good answer. And this next one definitely comes from a, a, a Kujira fan because they've got the little uh, in their name. How are you going to be working with, uh, with other stable coins like USK and maybe the ISTs of the world? Um, first thing I can think of is you guys love private transactions. They love private repos for their stablecoin uh, protocols. I'm just kidding. Please don't murder me on Twitter, uh, Kajira fans. Uh, but realistically, how do you see yourself working with, uh, with these different uh, stablecoins that are maybe they look at themselves as a competitor to Silk, but maybe there's, they're not competitors? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, there's, there's no need for, for PVP in any capacity. So first thing, we're, we're, hoping, we're hosting a stablecoin summit, first ever in Cosmos history, December 20th. And the participants are Agoric with IST. Comdex is actually going to be represented with USK. Shade Protocol with Silk. We're working on getting MakerDAO potentially represented on there. And we have other excellent guests such as Jack Samplin. I think Stride is also going to be hopping on there too. So Roar, Shade Protocol is, as the host of that. We're, we're actually super excited to get all the stable coins in the same room to have people to be able to you know, dig into the mechanics and how can we all improve the security and the stability of our protocols. How, how can we have you know, different attributes that emerge for the various stable coins? And specifically for Silk, you know, we're, we're launching a stable swap. We wanna be the home for all decentralized stable coins. So USK will be listed on our stable swap. There will be USK um, represented on the stable swap. And for Silk, Silk's not pegged to the dollar. So it, it serves a very differentiated role from IST, USK, Tether, DAI, all these things that are tied to the dollar. Like Silk, Silk is not trying to solve the, the dollar problem. We're, we're really trying to solve the like a truly decentralized stable uh, problem. Um, so from my end, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the, the Kajira community, the comeback story, post-Terra, all of the hard work that's being put into Kajira to ship products. I just want that community to know Huge fans of what they're doing, and we look forward to collaborating with all the decentralized stables. For sure, for sure, and yeah, I mean that's that's the key, right? Like, if you're going to build a stable swap, or even if neutral when it comes to these things, like you have to accept. Like, if there's a project like USK, regardless of their, dis their of their differences from the rest of Cosmos. It, it, they have a community. They're obviously not um, like scammers or anything like, well, I, I shouldn't say obviously because, you know, who knows what could happen. But um, they're a great team. They're easy to work with and everything. So uh, you have to support a project like that. Like it's just it, they're part of the community. So, yeah, kudos to you guys. That's that's really a, a great stance to take. I guess the last question uh, and we can wrap up with this is how um, how will Umi integrate with Silk and and shade in general. Um, I could take a little bit of this. So at the very least, you'll see Silk on Umi 
as a borrowable asset and a uh, and something you can deposit as well. Uh, once it starts building up enough uh, liquidity, you could also see it as a collateral option. It's just a little you you have to have a little bit more liquidity and volume in order for that to be allowed, just based on liquidations and stuff like that. So that those are kind of the key. Uh, requirements and then we also have to have price oracles and stuff like that so definitely all in the works um and we'll be able to support that there's some even cooler integrations we can do as well like for example we've at umi we've talked about how do we incorporate like privacy into our protocol and maybe one of those paths is you take your supplied assets on umi you convert them into a secret asset and you can use them maybe in uh like shades uh leverage protocol or something like that so that you can basically have composability between the protocols too on a leverage basis so all of this is is very uh much in the future and definitely want to you know see see what the further partnerships we can we can achieve are yeah absolutely i'm first off just super pumped to bring silk into the interchain into the umis of the world Really look forward to interfacing more with the with the Umi Umi community as we get close to the the launch of Silk. And in terms of how Umi could integrate into Shape Protocol, I mean, I think a big one is we have our you know the Dex isn't just a stable swap. It's also there's concentrated liquidity. It's also constant product rule AMM. So would definitely be interested in getting an Umi pair and increasing the accessibility to something like Umi on top of you know Shape Protocol in the Cosmos on the liquidity front. So. Maybe that's something that we can we can look forward to and map out. And then in terms of the lending side of things, uh, post post product launch, we'd definitely be interested in exploring. You know what what that type of teamwork could look like in collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity here because, like, I know a lot of people might think there's there's a competition aspect, but really focusing on two very different things with privacy versus um, just like the the open ecosystem as well. So. A lot of cool things that we can accomplish together. And I think, um, I think you know, I'm really just excited to see what happens with Shade. Um, Carter, Fisco, do you guys have any final thoughts before we end the uh, space? There is, there is one last mechanic that I think is worth mentioning. I, don't get, I didn't have a chance to touch on, but it actually has to do with Silk's composition. One of the really unique pieces we've said is like, we don't know where the dollar is going to be in 20 years, 40 years. We don't know where the euro will be. We don't know where like the global economy will be. So Silk actually has the ability to add or remove assets to its basket basket over time. It also has the ability to modify the weight. So even while Silk is, is dynamic with its target peg, over time, governance has the ability to, to evolve its composition. And I just wanted to bring that up as like, that was the... Third attribute, I, I think I talked about Silk being integrated into an app ecosystem, but that was actually the attribute I was looking for, that it has the ability to beyond to, to evolve beyond its current state. And I think a lot of stablecoins, um, like I, I would call this new category of stablecoin like a reflexive stablecoin. It's capable of evolving over time. Um, I think we'll see more of these begin to emerge. And also for like dollar stablecoins, I think potentially like engineering solutions that would allow them to evolve over, over time too. So that was my last piece I wanted to add in there. Awesome, man. Fisco, do you have anything? Not much from my side. Just wanted to throw out the, the stablecoin summit once again. I know Carter mentioned it, but if you had, if you had to our page, Shade Protocol, Twitter, 
It's the pinned tweet. If you guys are interested in learning more about all of the Cosmos stables and several several Ethereum stables as well, uh, just just head over there. It's going to be around four four and a half hours of discussion around infrastructure, around thought leaders in the Web three space, and a lot on stable coins. So just open invite to the entire Umi community to hop on over, check out the stable coin summit as uh, well. Other other invitation. Uh, Shape Protocol hosts something called Into the Interchain. Uh, every Wednesday. But one thing we also do is we have, uh, we started this YouTube series called Into the Interchain, where we essentially do deep dive, you know, 30 minute to an hour discussions with anywhere from engineers to economists of a lot of the Cosmos protocols. So I would love, 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 whether it's Brent or someone else from UMI uh, to have to, to host that Into the Interchain and, and give the Shape Protocol community exposure to kind of the the lending plat- platform of, of the future and, and all of the things that UMI is trying to solve with, with defining the risk-free interest rates of, of Web3. I think there's just there's so much potential there, and I'd, I'd love to host you guys on, on the channel. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be down for that. Um, I can see if Brent can do it or, or someone else for sure. Um, but yeah, thanks, guys, for joining us. We really appreciated the, the talk covered a lot of ground today and hopefully everyone has a better understanding of shade um if you're interested in learning more obviously shade protocol is a co-host on this just click their protocol go there uh shade underscore protocol a lot of cool things in there like this like the uh stable coin summit sign up learn a little bit more even if you're um not interested in, in one particular sub uh stable coin they're all going to be there so you can learn about all of them so yeah thanks everybody for joining again we'll thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was Into the Yumiverse with Shade Protocol, recorded on Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focused, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the Famine on deck, we was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Little den envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the 
bird's view. Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a b-b-b-billion. In the middle, men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Terror spaces.